0: Okay, wow. It has been a minute. I have been totally slacking on this, but hello. I hope you are doing great today, whatever time of the day it is for you. But I have had some health issues lately, and I have just not had the energy to do this. But I'm so glad that God has blessed me with the energy to do this right now. So today I want to talk about being heavy burdened and how... The Bible says we should respond to this, how we should deal with these trials that we go through. I want to focus on Matthew 11, 28 that says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But I want to focus on come to me. What Jesus is asking of us when he says come to me includes three things, which is repentance, which comes first, and then dependence and trust which are pretty interchangeable in my mind, but these are three things that are crucial to being a Christian. We have to have continual repentance. Now, I have a ton of verses here, and I don't want to bore you by reading them all, but I do want to share Matthew 4, 17 that says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is basically what he started his ministry with, repentance, and this is what the Christian does initially before they have any other thing really happening you repent and then commit your life to Christ and surrender it to him it also says that in repentance and rest is your salvation and quietness and trust is your strength but you would have none of it in Isaiah 30 15 this is saying when you are repenting this is your salvation and you walk get rest notice how it says repentance and rest these two things are connected and in quietness and trust is your strength trusting in the Lord is our strength. Having The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy that we find in the salvation of the Lord is our strength. Um, so focusing on these things and meditating on them daily, um, like David said in the Psalms, day and night, meditating on the Word of God will keep you in that trust and that joy and experiencing that joy is truly our strength, like it says in Nehemiah. It also says in Matthew, he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He didn't expect them to fr- produce fruit without repentance. You can't produce fruit if you are not repenting of your sins. So produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When we keep repentance, when we continue to repent of our sins, turning away from them and actively turning towards God in the process, we produce fruit of righteousness, right? That's in Matthew 3, 8. And then Isaiah one twenty seven says that those who repent will be revived by righteousness. This is a promise. It's saying that when we repent, we will be revived by righteousness. There's no question about it. If we supposedly repent and are not revived by righteousness in turn, I don't know if that's true repentance because it's a promise from God that when we repent, we are revived by righteousness. We no longer are running after sin. We're hating that we do sin and we are slowly being sanctified. Um, They made more like God in the process of repentance after we repent of our sins. The Acts is a book about the apostles after Jesus died. For those who don't know, it basically is the story of Paul and the other apostles um, who went out around the world and basically spread the gospel. So this is a verse from that to give you some context. It says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And I really enjoyed that it says that times of rep- refreshing may come from the Lord because it's a promise that we are refreshed when we repent, when we actively tell the Lord what we've done and admit it to Him. We're also admitting it to ourselves that we've sinned against Him, right? So this really shows that we've done wrong. We're not good. We need forgiveness from God. We've sinned against a holy God and we're to turn from that and turn towards righteousness with his help. We can't do it on our own. He is the one who grants us repentance. He's the one who blesses us with that gift of repentance and seeing how wicked our hearts truly are because we were dead in our trespasses, right? So, There's a few more verses, I think just three I want to go through, but these I feel like is just a really good study on repentance. This is from 2 Corinthians and it says, it's basically Paul talking about how he wrote a letter that produced sorrow in the Corinthians, right? And he's saying that, yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, not that I made you feel bad, but because your sorrow led to repentance, for you became sorrowful as God intended for you to, as so were not harmed in any way by us. This is saying that our sorrow can be meant to lead us to repentance when we're feel that sorrow and pain and sadness that comes with doing wrong and knowing that we're not doing what God is asking us to do. We feel sorrow for Christians because we know that we're doing wrong, we're sinning against God, and when we don't ask for forgiveness from Him, we're denying that we're sinning against Him. So it's talking about a godly sorrow for our sins, which Like I said, it leads us to repent of them and call on the Lord to help us turn from our wicked ways. Now, there's another verse from Isaiah 57 15 that says, I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. This is another promise that he will restore your crushed spirit if you're humble and revive your courage to those who repent of their sins, those who have repentant hearts. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. If you return to him, he will not continue to turn his face from you. This is from Second Chronicles 39, and the Lord would turn his face away from them when they sinned against him. He would not listen to that hit their prayers if they were living in sin and not returning to him in repentance. Now to talk about dependence, this is another important thing um, having to do with what this verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Dependence is a huge part of this as well, because coming to him doesn't just mean coming to him once and repenting of your sins once and then saying you're a Christian, wearing a cross around your neck, putting a Bible verse in your bio, or just wearing the label Christian, but not living it. It's very different because we depend on the Lord. We don't just do a one-time commitment and forget about Him. No, every day we think about God. We talk to God. We pray to God. We aren't living for ourselves anymore. So, dependence is crucial. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. This is Psalms 43, 1 through 2. Psalm 36, 9 says, For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. If we aren't going to the fountain of life, how can we even see? He is our light. If we live without Him, we're living in darkness. He is the only way we see the truth and see the light and goodness and produce good fruit. Without Him, we won't. We're simply helpless without Him. We are nothing, and without Christ, we truly didn't have that Power. We could not please him when we are not in the faith. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and shall not be faint. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He is there to strengthen us who are dead in our sins. He's there to give us strength and empower us to do what's right. And it says that even those who are young, you know, grow tired and weary, and the young. Men stumble and fall, but for those who put their hope in the Lord, who rely on Him, who depend on Him, who truly know that they. nothing without God, they'll renew their strength because they're going to the source that which strength comes from. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is because they're equipped with the Lord. They're equipped with the one who designed them to live in the first place. He's empowering them to do his will. He's empowering them to be strong and firm in the Lord and have joy and the fruit of the spirit, joy, peace, love, hope. These things that are fruits of being a Christian and all of these fruits count. We need to experience all of these fruits. And it may not be all the time, 24-7. We go through rough patches. I'm not saying you have to always be happy or never be anxious. That is not realistic. Honestly, we go through periods of time that are just frankly hard and we fall short and we have to return to God and rely upon him. But at the end of the day, Christians do show the fruits of the Spirit. That's why they're called fruits. And that's why Jesus said so many times too, that you can't get figs from thistles. It doesn't work out like that. These trees that are meant to produce good fruit will produce good fruit. But if you have a tree that's bad, it's going to produce bad fruit. So if you're producing bad fruit, are you a bad tree, you know? Or if we're not producing the good fruit, how can we know that we are of the good tree? Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is at the end of Ephesians, the last chapter, where it talks about how there's a shield of faith and faith and these things. And the word of God is our sword. The word is of God is our sword. That's why I tell myself, no matter what, I am in the word and praying every day because I need it. It's my sword. I mean, there is there is a devil, there is Satan in this world who has some control to mess with us, to try to get us to turn from God, to try to get us to entangle ourselves in sin. And if we're not equipped with the sword, how are we going to even fight in the battle? You know, like if we don't have the Word of God if we aren't memorizing it and putting it on our heart and really applying it to our lives and being dependent on God and reminding ourselves of the truth. I'm not strong enough to survive without it. I need it every day. I think we all do. I don't think it just applies for me. We all are weak. We all need... God's intervention and help in our lives daily. We need to be repenting daily. I mean, we sin all the time. It's something I ask myself daily, like, what did I do today that wasn't glorifying God? What did I do today that didn't represent Christ right? What did I do today that was a sin, you know? Because ultimately, that's what it is. If we're representing Christ in a poor way for not being godly and loving and caring and acting in accordance to how the scriptures call us to, then we're sinning against God. So we need to be very hyper aware of how we act and how we present ourselves. We're not going to be perfect. Like I said, you can't be perfect. But however, we are supposed to want to glorify God and please Him every day of our lives. There's one more last verse that I want to talk about, and it is Psalm 63.8. Usually, I don't like King James Version, but this one I adore because it says, my soul followeth hard after thee. I just Gosh, I love that wording so much. It just makes my ha- heart happy. Like My soul followeth hard after thee. My right hand upholds me. And gosh, it's just such a beautiful wording. I just adore it. I honestly didn't run across this until tonight Um, because I don't usually read King James Version. It's got too many these and those for me, but I have read it occasionally. Psalm 63, 8 says, my soul followeth hard after thee. It doesn't just follow after him. It follows hard after him. Does your soul follow hard after him? If somebody was able, to see your life, would they say that you follow hard after God? Is that the first thing they've used to describe your life? I'm sorry if that's convicting, but conviction is a good thing. Like we read in Second Corinthians, it um, says um, godly sorrow produces repentance. Godly sorrow makes us more like God and challenges us. It makes us want to please Him. It is good to have a sorrow that, you know, a feeling of, I should read the Bible more. I should pursue God daily. I should talk to Him daily. I should make Him a priority in my life. I should be that person that people can't deny is a Christian. That the first word that comes to their mind when they're asked to describe you is that that girl loves Jesus. She won't shut up about Him. Or like, she's obsessed with the Bible, you know? She's obsessed with God. And I think as Christians, we ought to strive after that, you know? At least that's my conviction. And I would say, I would argue that the Bible argues that as well. (laughs) I think that's pretty unrefutable. But unfortunately, a lot of people have told me that I'm wrong. A lot of people have told me that, you know, it's not... Necessary. Um, I had one person a few years ago tell me that they shouldn't give up a hobby of theirs, that God would rather, God wants them to be happy, right? This is what so many people say that God wants, God wants me to be happy. He wouldn't want me to just read the Bible all day because that's not, I don't enjoy that. You know, I'm not gifted with that. He wants me to be happy and all I need to do is believe in Him and I'll go to heaven. And I think that's the biggest lie. (laughs) I really do. Um, It's just, So many people today have been told, pray a prayer and you'll be saved. And there's nothing quite wrong with that in the sense of if you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. Yeah, but a lot of people say they believe in Jesus, but their lives don't say that they believe in Jesus. If your life doesn't say you believe in Jesus, chances are you don't believe in Jesus. Chances are you aren't saved. I don't know who you are. I don't, I can't, I don't think we should be saying who's saved and not saved, but I think it's crucial to our lives. I, I say this because whoever's listening, like, I care a lot about you. That's why I do this. I know a lot of people probably look at my account and, you know, laugh at it or whatever, but I don't care anymore. I really don't. I'm doing this because I care about your eternity. I don't want people to perish. I truly believe in hell. I think if we really believed in God, we'd see a lot more people speaking out about the gospel and sharing it because that's what love is. Hard thing to tell people. That's why we avoid it. We don't want to be ridiculed or we want to say things that are positive and even churches fall into this. But at the end of the day, you know, we need to challenge ourselves, our fellow believers to really take this seriously because this is a matter of life and death eternally. Um, but ultimately, we're all responsible for our own judgment on that day. So I will just leave it at that. But I want to talk about trust now. And trust, I could have so many more verses on this. There's so many in the Bible, but honestly, these are some that I don't think are what people think of immediately. They probably think of Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make straight your paths. I think that was actually five through six. I don't know. It's a great verse, but overused in my opinion. Um, I adore it, but there's some other really incredible verses in the Bible that are neglected. So here, here are some of them, at least three of them. <laughs> you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Whoever's mind is stayed on Christ will be kept in perfect peace because he fully trusts in God. When you fully know that God is sovereign and you fully trust in the Lord with all of your heart, like Proverbs 3 says, you won't have fear you don't have anxiety you won't not have peace you'll have peace because you trust in god the one who's in control of everything and there's a lot of peace in that i just i adore that verse that's one i've memorized lately and it just helps me in my time of need i really really cannot recommend enough memorizing scripture and i have a terrible memory i could never memorize things in school i sucked at it i it's not my thing basically so if that's your excuse just know I sucked at it too, and I still managed to do this. I will link um, on my website under the blogs. I will link this episode of all these verses on my page. So just go to uh, pathema.org and go to blog, and then this title uh, for the heavy burdened, and what I'm reading off of will be there, and I'll put a link to a Bible app and a website that I use to memorize scripture because it's the only thing that's ever worked for me and actually worked like I truly can I, I have scripture memorized from this from doing that you just have to doesn't come easily it takes hard work but I mean what is more worth your time honestly like we spend hours a day on our phones we spend hours a day on social media of all things And we're not really getting anything out of it. You know, we're just wasting time away or watching TV. And, you know, there's so much time, so many hours lost. In the Bible, it actually says to make the best use of your time for the days are evil. So I don't know. I've just been convicted about that lately because with my condition, I can't sit upright a lot. Like even now, you might be able to tell. But I'm getting breathless. I probably will cut out the breaks of me breathing because it's just a lot too listen to because I can't talk very long without having to take a deep breath. So maybe you won't notice it. But basically, my point is that I watch a lot of TV because I have to lay down like flat. (laughs) I have to be reclined and I can't do a lot when I'm reclined. Mentally, I get uh, really fatigued, which sounds... Silly, but it's actually a thing if you look up post-exertional malaise, I think it's called. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last word correct, but it basically means if, if you exercise either mentally or physically, the next few days or even weeks, you can be bedridden. and I unfortunately have that. So even if I'm reclined and working on something, I can become really, really fatigued and sick feeling, almost like I have the flu. Not to get too much on a tangent about that, but I just want to say that it is so important. And if I can make time to do this and if I can force my body to sit upright, just To learn more about God and put his word in my heart, you know, hide his word in my heart, even when I'm like literally sweating and about to fall over because I'm so lightheaded. Like, just know you can do it. Like, you can do it. Don't have any excuse. You know, truly, there's nothing better you can do and spend your time on than this. And I know it's hard to start out with, but gosh, is it rewarding? It is. The word is true. I mean, study it, look up the history of it evidentially like with evidence like look at the evidence of scripture because I didn't want I didn't believe in it for a while I mean I always wanted to but I wanted to know that there's evidence backing up this is true and it wasn't just what I um grew up with you know so I did that research and here I am (laughs) I found out that it's true and that's a big reason why I am putting myself out there to be ridiculed and made fun of and you name it I could care less I mean. At the end of the day, this is what I'm commanded to do. And I'm just grateful that I have the resources to do this, you know, because of the internet. It's just incredible. I feel like the apostles would be like laughing at us because so many of us have access to do this very thing and we neglect it. or we say we don't want to because we don't want to put ourselves out there like that. But like, I don't know. It's just, I felt really convicted and I can't believe it's taken me this long to do this. To get back on the topic of trust, I have two more verses. It says, Lord, we show our trust to you by obeying your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. All night long, I search for you. In the morning, I earnestly seek for God. Isaiah 25, 8 through 9. I love this verse because the way we trust in God is by obeying his laws. How can we obey his laws if we don't know his laws? (laughs) That's why we need to be in the Word. And our heart's desire is to glorify your name. I didn't understand this because I didn't know God um, before, but glorifying God is the purpose why we exist. This is why we live to bring glory to God because he is a good God. He's incredibly good. Good does not even describe who he is because it's just, there's not a word that can explain how wonderful he is and how gracious and kind and merciful. He's nicer and kinder and more loving than anybody you've ever met. And it's hard for us to comprehend, but that's why we glorify him. That's why we want to raise up his name and show the world how good he is and praise him. It also says how I think we read it before, possibly, um, how praising him, maybe not, I just think I didn't include it, but praising him is a result of trusting him. When we trust in him, and we praise him because we know who he is. But yeah, I just, I love that this says, all night long I search for you. In the morning I earnestly seek for God. Like, that seeking God shouldn't be an occasional thing we do once a year or once a month or once a week even. I mean, it should be something we're doing day and night. It should be something we're delighting in There's another verse. It's the last one. It says, it's Isaiah 49, 4. It says, but my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. I really related to this when I read it. I can't believe I didn't know this verse before, but I just really resonated with it because I think we've all felt this way doing something and then it doesn't work out. And we're like, what the heck, God? Like, (laughs) all my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and no purpose. Just you can hear the like defeat, you know, in that I've spent my strength for nothing. Like, this is pointless. I don't know why I've even expended my strength on this. Nothing is working out. This is like, there's no purpose in me doing this. And then he changes his tone and goes, yeah, I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. And this is exactly the example I want to leave and end this with, because it's exactly what we're supposed to do. It's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to leave it all in God's hand. We're supposed to trust in God for our reward. This is the right response. When we start to get negative and start to think that everything is for nothing, we have to turn back to the truth that God is sovereign and we need to leave it in his hands because we aren't sovereign. We don't see the future. We don't know what's going to happen, but rather we should trust God for our reward. We should trust that his word is true and leave it in his hands. I know I mentioned that we were talking about delighting in the law of God and delighting in his word and searching for him constantly. And there's this verse in Psalm 119. If you ever have a free moment, just read all of 119. It's like, I think the longest Psalm, but it's got a lot of verses in it. It says, your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. And this is exactly what I was saying. I just wanted to provide the scripture to back it up because it's true. They should be. They should be our delight. I also wanted to mention that when I was saying how I didn't care what people thought anymore, I do. I it's a pretty it's probably the hardest thing for me to overcome is caring about what people think. But there's multiple verses in the Bible that say we shouldn't. Um, Galatians one ten it says that if I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of God. So for those people pleasers out there who are like me, don't think it's a good thing what you're doing. Don't think that submitting to what everybody wants and expending yourself and wanting everybody's approval and for people to think well of you and making all your actions something that is hoping that somebody will think well of you and whatever. Don't live like that because I've lived like that my whole life. I remember constantly when I was younger, I just, I would be afraid to do stupid things like put my hair up or dumb things. Like I didn't want to read a book in public because I was like oh what if someone thinks like something of me because I'm reading this book and looking back on that it's just I'm ashamed that I did that you know Like, it's just really dumb that I thought that way. And I don't want anybody to live like that. I don't want a Christian to live like that. Like, I want you to know it's sinful. I want you to understand that that can be a sinful thing. Obviously, submitting to your parents and being nice to people and wanting to help people in a generous way is good. But when you're selfishly pursuing these things of wanting to do something or not do something because you want people to think well of you, that's selfish. And that's actually pride. I I didn't learn this until recently, but it really is pride because you're so concerned about what you, what people think of you. It's all about you. It's all about what they perceive you to be. And if they don't think well of you, then it's the end of the world because people don't like you. And if people don't like you, then you must have something wrong with you. And it's all about you, 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 you. And it's just the Bible screams, it's not about you. (laughs) The Bible is not about you. As Matt Chandler says, we love him. Gosh, if you haven't seen that sermon look it up right now like pause this and look up matt chandler the bible is not about you it's a beautiful it's a beautiful clip let me tell you anyways i found this verse in this little notebook i have and it says your approval means nothing to me because i know you don't have god's love within you and jesus said that it's from john 5 41 if you want to look it up how more straightforward can it get like i don't care what you think because you don't have christ like you know, not to say that non-Christians can be right. If you're being a total jerk and they call you out on it, yes, you should listen to them. (laughs) not saying you should never listen to people, but just be cautious and don't give people too big of a role in determining how you live because God is God. People are not God. You need to get that out of your head if you are living like that. Um, I'm speaking to all the people who are like me and are super shy, but in reality, it was just pride because I cared too much about what people thought and I didn't want to say anything because I was afraid people would take it the wrong way maybe or not get a joke so I would just stay quiet and I honestly really kept my personality away from anybody who talked to me when I was younger which is a shame but hey we all have our sins that we struggle with everybody has kind of built differently you know has different traits that are harder for them and for other people it may not be hard for so we just need to be understanding and loving towards others who struggle with something we may not be familiar with. With or experience ourselves, but at the same time, have a boldness about us that will confront people about their sins because we love them, you know. And I'm not saying every time someone sins, we should go at them with the, you know, the finger, not that finger. (laughs) I mean, like pointing at them or whatever, but um, I just mean we're supposed to. uh, call out somebody who's willfully sinning continually and is unrepentant of it because we love them. We don't want them to stray from God. We want them to experience Christ and his love and grow in the grace and knowledge of him. So I think that will end this, but I appreciate you listening. I hope you benefited from this. It's my deepest prayer that you get something out of these little talks in the ministry of Fathema, and I pray that I'll have more energy to be more active With this, I'm learning, I've been off of social media for two years, like I've, I think I've said before, but it's all kind of taken a while to come back to me. So anywho, I hope this is a blessing to you. And I know it's a blessing to me talking about these things out loud and vocalizing what I've learned and what I know about Christ. Remember to depend on God, to repent of your sins, and to trust in him with everything.